We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today, Manu Chinka, founder of Stacked Marketer. Manu shares his journey from an aspiring coder in Romania to professional poker player and entrepreneur. After moving to Vienna, he and his poker buddies started a business together, first trying their hand at software development, and then now, after several years, they looked into marketing. And eventually, they started the curated daily newsletter, The Stacked Marketer. We talk about how skill and luck play a role in both poker and starting a business, and how even if you get everything right, you can still lose. Manu developed the idea for the newsletter from being a subscriber to other newsletters and really liked it. And he saw the need for a daily newsletter in the marketing space. So he went after it. Manu and his co-founders have grown the company through giving feedback, shared networks, and putting the time and energy into delivering a daily quality newsletter of the latest trends and information in digital marketing in a friendly, personable voice, a combination that has quickly grown the subscriber base. Now, 
Let's get better together. Manu Chinka, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's so great because, like, this is the first time we're meeting. Of course, we're on Zoom because you're in Vienna and I'm in San Francisco yeah. and it's locked down. And there's something happening around <laughs> the world right now, right? Right, right. And we originally, I, I found out about you through Stacked Marketer, which is a great newsletter about marketing and digital marketing and just all things goodness when it comes to all that sort of stuff. And we'll dig into that a little later um, because I just find it super fascinating. Um, and you guys also helped me out, out on a survey that I was doing, and we'll talk more about that later. But before we get into all that, I would love to hear how you started doing what you're doing today. Well, it, it's a long journey, so I'll try to make it uh, rather short. Because, um, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I didn't start with when I first said, like, look, I want to have my own business. I didn't say, like, I want to have a newsletter. That was, like, far from it. Uh, but to give a little bit of context, context um, back when I was in high school, I was uh, reasonably good at coding. So my plan was to become some sort of freelancer and, you know, work different interesting coding jobs and uh, maybe at some point aspiring towards one of these big tech companies um, at the same time moving out of Romania, where I'm from. So that was kind of the overall plan. Um, things didn't go according to plan, but some things did go uh, in that direction. So um, around seven years ago, I moved to Austria, to Vienna, to start a software company with a friend of, well, a couple of friends of mine that I knew from, um, from playing poker professionally. Not coding, but oh, playing poker oh, professionally. Well, we're going to talk more about that for yeah. sure. And then one thing led to another different pivots, some team changes and everything that at one point led me into affiliate marketing. And then the next step was at some point, instead of running affiliate marketing for you know other people's products, the thought was let's build something that is you know useful for marketers, but it's something that we would also read. And it's something that is our own product type thing. And mm -hmm. that's kind of... Uh, out of many ideas, that's kind of how the newsletter came out. And that's how we reached this point. So it's, it's a journey of, you know, probably over 10 years now, if you think about it from the high school days, but this is the, the shorter version of it, like the bigger steps in between. Wow. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about that first company and the co-founders that you had. Were, were they just a bunch mm -hmm. of friends or what was the... So idea? I knew them from uh, from the poker days. Uh, so I was playing poker for a living, doing pretty okay. They were doing much better, but also at the same time, they wanted to invest their money into something. I had a bit of a coding background. There was another co-founder who was way more technical than me as well. So the idea was let's start a software development company and we're in Vienna because one of the partners is based here. And it, that's essentially in let's say two to three weeks from suggestion, like, hey, do you want to move to Vienna to start this company with us to actually being here in Vienna was, yeah, that, that was three weeks or so. Wow. That's a, that's taken and a That risk. was a fast decision. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, eh, to be, let's just go. <laughs> yeah, but, but to be fair, like I did plan during that specific year to move out of Romania in some way, right? So this was just like, okay, so I, I didn't plan to do it right now, but I mean, I can do it now, so why not? Um, what, what kind of poker did you play? Uh, it was uh, no limit hold'em. Uh, and I'm not sure if people are familiar with poker. Uh, when you play online, there was this option of doing fast fold or like zoom rush. Essentially you could play a lot of hands in a very short amount of time because you could, when, whenever you folded a hand, you were moved to another table. 
So I used to play a lot of uh, that. Probably, I think I got close to two million hands at some point in total. Two million? You played two million hands of poker? Yeah, total, like across the whole period, probably around there. Wow. Wow. Because the reason why I bring this up is my friend Marv, who I've had on the podcast, uh, moved to Las Vegas and wanted to be a professional poker player. That mm-hmm. was his dream. And uh, Yeah, but if you move to Vegas, you want to play live. I was like, yeah, no, not live. I think I played live less than 20 hours total or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he, um, he went out there and tried to do it all, and turns out that he couldn't, um, not because he was not skilled. It's just because there's a certain amount of attitude, and he'll tell you all about it <laughs> one day. <laughs> and I'm always fascinated by people who play poker. Um, because see, I'm not a gambler at all. I, I well, mm-hmm. I gamble at startups. <laughs> I gamble on the stock market. <laughs> it's a different kind <laughs> it's of. It's a gamble. different kind of gambling, right? Um, but I'm always fascinated uh, about how poker players and the strategy and the stakes and everything. And so every time I'd go visit him in Las Vegas, he'd always be like, "Oh, come on, let's go play, let's go play, let's go play." And I'm like, "I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to play very well." He's, "Oh no, I'll teach you, I'll teach you." So. The last time I visited him, actually played at a table, put the money down, you know, did the whole thing. So I can see the allure, but I'm like, eh, <laughs> not too much for me. Um, yeah, it, it, it's there's a few personalities that usually like type of personalities that play poker, and I think I'm one of the least interested in gambling because uh, that's so you, you know, like poker, you usually have it in casinos, right? Right. So then the average person would usually put it in the same bucket as you know roulette as slot machines whatever you find in the casino the good thing about it though is that generally so the the house doesn't care if you win or lose when you play poker they make money either way so you're not playing against the house which makes it the one game that you can win at because you're playing against other people so if the other people are worse than you you can win so that's the you know, there, if you play, there's one saying that uh, I like about it. If you play one hand, it's like 99% luck. If you play infinite amount of hands, it's 0% luck. Right. So there, it's on that spectrum there, right? Um, and then, of course, there's a, pers- there's a type of personality that likes to play poker because, you know, you can make money out of it. It's easy to get into it. You can learn. It's competitive. You can make money out of it. But there's also the other side, which is the bad one, where you can have actual gambling issues, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like... For example, I haven't, I think since I quit playing poker, I don't know if I played for like two hours total live as a kind of socializing event. And that's it. Like, I don't miss the aspect of it. It's just like, it was fun and I liked it, but I'm not like, I need to play sometimes. I'm just completely oblivious of, uh, you know, I have no need to play it anymore. Huh. So you're kind of well, like, there are others, like you said, like they yeah. still want to play sometimes and they need it. And it's a, it's a different feeling, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, Marv, Marv doesn't play much anymore. Now he plays bridge. He's like in a bridge club because he's older. He's like 55, 56. So mm-hmm. he's actually young for a bridge player, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's super interesting because like he found bridge and then that's really social, right? Like, you know, you mm-hmm. go to the club, bridge club and play or whatever. And then, you know, COVID hits can't go to the bridge club anymore but then he's got a bunch of buddies that are now online so it's just so fascinating um like because there's because he he really liked when he would he'd play in person he kind of did like the social aspect of it of course he wanted to win uh but 
there was just something. I mean, there is something about being in a casino, and I can see the lure, but boy, I just don't want to gamble. Like I said, I gamble more. Yeah, with I, I think if you're not super set on your mind to be like, look, it's not gambling. I'm really trying to win at this game, and I've learned these lessons. That's why I'm going to win. Then I, I, I don't know. Like it has a lot of benefits, but there's always this danger that you go into the gambling tilting side of things. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you you actually made a living at this. Yeah, yeah, but just to put it in perspective, I was living in Romania, so the amount of money you need is much less than you know if you live in New York or something. Right, right. Huh. Cool. So, I mean, what what were some of the lessons you learned being a professional gambler that sort of transitions over to startups? Uh, the biggest one is that you can make all the right decisions but still end up losing uh, because there's no like life is based on probabilities. So there's oh there will always be things you cannot control that could hurt your uh, like in the end can hurt whether you win or not. So this part was essentially the biggest lesson, right? It, let's say classic scenario with no limit hold'em. You have aces. The opponent has kings. You both play it right, but you just got unlucky that one hand because you had kings, or you got lucky because you had aces in a way. Or you can also win because it's still like 80, uh, 80, 20 percentage if you go all in pre-flop in no limit holding. So these sort of things can happen with you know, less clear probabilities, but they happen regularly when it comes to business, when it comes to life as well. It's just based on probabilities. So that's the biggest lesson. And it's, it's one that instinctively I think humans don't, uh, don't really notice it at first. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, the, the, the role of luck in success is way, way downplayed. I, I don't understand yeah. why people don't know more about probability and statistics and like the role of luck. Because I mean, I know in my own career <laughs> and it's been, you know, all over the map, it I got lucky so many times that I can't even keep track. But the thing about the luck was that I had the skills to take advantage of the luck. And I think that's the other thing that's a little bit interesting about, especially when we're talking to now, not only in the U.S. about like Black Lives Matter and like uh, minority entrepreneurship, but just minority rights. And, and it's like spread around the world. People are trying to figure out, well, how do you like bring up uh, a class of people or society of people that haven't had like, you know, your privilege, right? Like they, what they say. <laughs> And it's, it, it kind of always revolves around opportunity, the opportunity to use your skills to do something. And so you need opportunity, you need skills, and then you need luck. And luck happens because you're at the right place at the right time. You're interacting, you're given, you, you have, there's a framework for which to be lucky. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated that you learned that lesson uh, because a lot of entrepreneurs think that it's just raw skill. <laughs> like, I just work hard. I just work hard <laughs> and it'll be okay. Um, can you tell me a couple of times where in your own business or the business that you co-founded with, with your friends where God did everything right, but it just didn't work out? Uh, well, it's did everything right with the information that we had at the time. So yeah, it's like it's another true. thing. Like right, poker is a game of limited information. You don't know what your opponent has. It's imperfect information, which makes it a little bit hard for uh, machine learning to actually beat people in some circumstances. Though it's getting much better. Right. Um. So let me think. What would be the well the the most 
recent scenario, I would say, would be the one that kind of pushed me from software development and pivoted the whole thing from software development to uh, marketing because um, at the time we were so set on doing software development because we had some nice contacts and contracts signed with um, uh, lab, uh, so um, companies that developed uh, lab, lab equipment. Oh, so things okay. for testing, stuff like that. So for us to write software for that, which would have been very interesting, of course, very B2B, kind of boring for the outside, but from a technical perspective, probably interesting. And oh, you yeah. would get to meet a lot of smart scientists. Overall. Right, right, right. Uh, but a couple of months after starting this, so we uh, hired a few people, we, um, we put some more money into the company, we hired a few people, we got an office, um, and it was all kind of set to, you know, we're going to work on this very di- hard. It's going to be difficult, but interesting. It's promising overall. But uh, a couple of months later, one of the co-founders, he just said, look, I'm too burnt out after a few years that we did other things that didn't work. I need to do this. I need to do that. It doesn't work for me. And it kind of, the whole thing kind of um, had to be, you know, stopped instantly after spending a significant amount of money. But at the time when we decided that it was all pretty clear that that's the correct decision. But then, you know, two months later, things definitely changed. So, wow. Yeah. And don't at the same time, like we you know, like there was disappointment in general, but at the same time, the reaction wasn't, you know, to kind of feel sorry for whoever, like for ourselves who were, let's say, left in, uh, involved or, you know, like not dwelling on the situation too much. It is what it is. And then we we probably made the correct decisions based on what we knew then. We lost, let's say, or things definitely, like things changed to a less favorable situation. But then the next step was, okay, let's focus on what else we could do with what we have. So listing a lot of ideas that we could test out. So I think the whole mindset that you kind of learned from poker helped there. Yeah. God, that's really, that's actually a good way to put it. Making the right decision with the information you have at the time. Because yeah, and being okay, you know, being wrong in the end. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that, that's what happens. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like I have a friend who's, uh, who's in... Uh, Navy special warfare, which is, he's a Navy seal. (laughs) So he's a, he's like pretty legit, awesome guy. Um, and I was asking him about like, well, how do you make these life and death decisions? Like, what do they, he's an officer. So like, what do they teach you? Like, how how do you go through this? Cause I mean, what happens if you get it wrong? And there, the military, especially, well, the United States military's like doctrine on this is, they look at, did you make the right decision given the information you had at the time? Because they yeah. know that things are fluid. So if you like took in all the information, you asked for the right stuff and you made a call and it turns out it was the wrong call, it wasn't for lack of like intent to make the right decision. It's like you had wrong information or you this is what we had at the time, right? And and I I think that's just such a great way to think about it because as an entrepreneur in a startup, building a company, you know, you do the best you can, you're going to get it wrong more times than you get it right, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, for sure. And given what you know, okay, how do I navigate, you know, how, how do I, what one, navigate the the morass, the maze of, of decisions mm-hmm. to make, but then also, if I am wrong, how do I change direction? How, how, how do I take that information and say, okay, I got to, I got to pivot. I got to rotate. I got to do something different. Um, and so were the, the co-founders of the company that you originally went out to Vienna to do, 
Are they still involved with Stack Marketer? Uh, yeah, all of them aside from uh, so aside from the one technical co-founder who was burnt out and uh, decided that he wants to go in his own way. Everyone else is still involved, but so we this was this didn't start just as a software company. It was a like an investment company that then invested in a few several things, including this software company. So those are still involved. Uh, all of them are, and all of them are uh, poker players or like were poker. Oh, poker really? Players at they some all point. retired. So now? It helps. Yeah, not all retired. Some still play, but some retired. Uh-huh. It's an interesting group of people, right? Because we have at least this common ground, and we can let's say talk the same language, right? Yeah, <laughs> it or, helps a lot. Do you guys play poker at the board meetings? Uh, <laughs> no, we we only played for uh, someone's birthday one time. That that was it. So. Oh wow. Well, wow, that's so cool. So a bunch of poker players start a company, investment company. And so like you guys are pretty much all level set on risk and probability and luck then. I mean, that's actually wow. That's a really good yeah. that's a really good set of people to get. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming you guys probably have of course disagreements and stuff, but do you have disagreements on if something doesn't work out? Is it just like okay, learn and move on, just like, oh, got to play another hand kind of thing? or So it's not so much disagreements on things after they worked or not. It's a lot of, um, so whenever we had disagreements, it wasn't, the other thing that it helps out, like it was never personal. Ah, yes. So it was always like, okay, so what's fair here? Like what, what does it, how, how do we figure out what's fair and how do we put it in such a framework that, you know, everyone gets their fair share type of thing? Or like, if it's a mistake, was it a mistake in the process? Was it someone just not having the right attitude? And every one of um, every one of us is generally pretty good. I would say better than average at reflecting on ourselves and trusting the others that they don't have uh, bad intent when they criticize one another, right? Oh. So it's like, look, I think what happened here didn't make sense because of these reasons. It's not an attack on any sort of friendship or relationship. It's more like, the actions that you took were probably not the right ones given the information kind of going back to that same, uh, same idea of, you know, limited information. So, so do you think that that's, that sounds like a pretty important agreement to have between all your co-founders about how you're going to run things, right? I mean, was that like a conscious decision or it was just like, well, we all kind of know each other from poker and, we all know the rules of poker and we just sort of going to apply that same kind of ethos to running this company. I think it just naturally happened because if you have people that have more or less the exact same background, that's kind of what naturally occurred. So it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't planned, but in the end, that's kind of what uh, came out of it. Um, hmm. Yeah. And it, it, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, at least from my perspective, in terms of communicating with them and everything it ends up being pretty good. And I think between everyone else, there's this kind of, uh, there's a lot of common ground. So it helps a lot. Uh, are you guys all from Romania or? No, 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 no. So I'm, I'm Romanian, uh, four of them, five of them are Austrian and one is Dutch. Oh, okay. Cool. So mostly in Austria, that's why the company is here as well. <laughs> so you're like, move to Austria. See the world. Oh, just move to Austria. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did get to see some of the world, not all of it yet, but yeah, it, it did help. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Because yeah, I mean, like, you know, the the most, imp well, 
the thing, the reason why most startups fail is, I mean, there's basically two. It's we ran out of money or the co-founders fight. <laughs> That's just, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I could boil it down to two things. I mean, the third one is, oh, you built a product no one wants. Okay, so that there's three. But then, but then, you, if you have money, you can still pivot. Right, That's right. What so I've learned. So yeah. running out of money is the issue. Right, issue. It, you know, fighting with your co-founders and running out of money. Like, and so yeah. what you did, which I think is great. I mean, going from a lab equipment software company, which I've had some experience in healthcare, so I know how onerous that is. To we're going to do a newsletter related to marketing, and you know. <laughs> all that sort of stuff is a pretty big pivot, but my guess is the um, the skill sets around all that were probably pretty complementary. So how how do you how do you go from software company building software for lab equipment B to B? Boring. I know it's boring because I was in the business. Boring for some and probably super exciting. Yeah, for yeah. That's well, how I imagine it externally a little boring to yeah. stacked marketer which is a daily newsletter about marketing. It didn't happen overnight. So there were approximately three years in between where I did uh, work on marketing related things. So I did affiliate marketing, which essentially just promote other people's products. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, that's, and uh, I've, this is probably the thing that showed that. Um, so it, it wasn't planned to start a newsletter, but because I already knew a lot of things about marketing, the next step was like, okay, so how do I make something interesting for the people that I know? And like, what would be interesting for me as well? And then seeing a few other examples out there, uh, the, the three big ones that I've seen around the time when I was looking, let's try to do something new. I explored things that have to do with communities, with newsletters, with, um, with membership sites, like all these sort of things were in my head. So I was just, you know, curious what what would make sense to start um and then the newsletter was the thing that came out and i saw that uh daily uh, the skim now they call it daily skim for the newsletter the hustle and morning brew are three examples that are cool newsletters that if you're in their target audience you would like to read them and it just so happens that for morning brew i'm kind of in their target audience right i do care about business and finance not to the extent of a professional but enough that i want to know what's going on so then reading that, my thought was, okay, there's nothing like this for marketers specifically. So let's try to build it. And the start was pretty probably counterintuitive. It's just like, okay, ask 10 people that I know in the industry to sign up on this weird looking landing page with the promise that I'll send them a newsletter every day so they can give me feedback. And that's what helped a lot. The, like, the very first edition that I sent to them was pretty bad overall but the concept there was a seed of something that they liked there i got some feedback from them and then that's how it you know over two years it transformed into what it is now yeah wow so start start with the your 10 buddies and be like okay <laughs> i hope yeah, i'm onto something a, yeah yeah i mean at least they were good enough friends to be like look this makes sense this doesn't make sense and they saw the thing is that they are good friends that helped me promote the newsletter afterwards because they had more connections than me and just a bigger audience as marketers than me. And because they saw that I implemented their feedback, that I improved the product, they trusted me enough to be like, look, you guys, like everyone who's following me on Facebook should check it out. And that's what kind of got me from these 10 subscribers to 500 and then to 2000 and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to rem actually remember like where I first saw Stacked Marketer. And I don't, I don't remember where it was, but I do, 
I think, no, you know what? Someone forwarded it to me. They're like, hey, man, you should check this out. This is kind of what we're trying to do. Um, was, nice. You know, doing a working with this uh, direct-to-consumer slash it's an odd mix of stuff, but they're like, Hey, did you read this article about what I think it had to do with SEO optimization or I don't remember what it was. It was some marketing type thing where it's like, Hey, you can make it better by doing blah. And I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then you kind of look through it. You're like, ah, yeah. Okay. You know, I can see uh, a lot of similarities between one of my favorite newsletters is the hustle. Um, mm-hmm. And how we actually advertised in uh, the hustle in May, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so maybe yeah. I, I, no, I think I saw it before. I think I saw it before that. I think so. But I mean, I mean, maybe it happened at the same time a little bit because there's a there are quite a few people that are like, I saw you there, but I think I subscribed before, probably. But I, you know, it, it's kind of like you don't really know. It's a free newsletter. It's not like you're making an important decision to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So the time when you sign up, it's like, yeah, whatever. I'll probably unsubscribe later. I think that's a lot of the minds. I'll try it out and see how it is. Then yeah. if you like it, it's great. But if you're not like, ah, whatever. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that's part of the, the real cool coolness of like newsletters just in general. I mean, I, I follow a guy named Brian Clark and Jared Morris, and they have this they have this thing called the unemployable initiative, which I'm a part of. Uh, and they have, he, he was, if you don't know who Brian Clark, he's original copy blogger guy. He, he literally all this content marketing, he sort of like made it popular. If you could like have the genesis of content marketing, it's sort of him roughly, okay. right? There's him. And then there's a bunch of other people that sort of expanded from there. Um, he was the kind of the one that would promote this teaching sales concept and then now he's promoting this curation concept. And a curation concept is you got all, I mean, you know, there's so much noise out there. What do I pay attention to? And so people like you and your newsletter, you look at the internet and you say, we think this is important that you should read. And for busy people, for people inundated <laughs> with all this stuff that's out there, and I am one of these people totally guilty of it, um, it's nice to have someone that you trust curate good articles, good data, good things so that you save time. And I think that's what you're trying. I mean, to me, if you're in marketing, digital marketing, if you are anywhere interested in any of that stuff, subscribing to Stack Marketer is the way to go because you you curate all the all the good stuff so I don't have to waste my time on the bad stuff. And so thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great to hear. That that's what that's what the goal is, yeah. essentially, to kind of filter through all the noise the noise that there's out there. And it's a free newsletter, so your business model revolves around advertising, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct. So every newsletter has one ad placement. So every sponsor gets, let's say, like an exclusive a one hundred percent share of voice in the newsletter. Okay. And um is it so I, I I know a little bit about the newsletter business and I know a lot of people that are trying to they're actually trying to do it. I mean part of the unemployable initiative is they actually encourage people, especially solopreneurs and consultants, to build newsletters and audience. Um, primarily so that they can like directly market to them. <laughs> so if yeah. someone gives you their email, I mean you have a direct conduit to their inbox that's a lot better than an ad. That's a lot better than Twitter. That's a lot better than Facebook because you are have a personal interaction. Um, Have you, 
I, I, and I don't know this. That's why I'm asking. Do you have other products or is it just the newsletter? No, it's just the newsletter right now. So we had a few things that we tried out, for example, a job board. That was kind of a lesson, uh, you know, focus on what you really know what to do, like what to, what you can do really well and improve the thing that you see that you can still improve instead of jumping to other, another thing. Like doing one thing really well is better than doing two things in a mediocre manner. That was like an important lesson learned pretty late, but it was worth trying at least. So it's just the newsletter. And even we just, we recently had a meeting, uh, our team, and that was the main message. Let's make sure that we focus again for the next uh, half of the year to improve the newsletter itself. So we try to gather, um, you know, surveys sometimes from our readers. Uh, we look at what sort of information our readers enjoyed, um, you know, interacting with. For example, recently we had something. Um, that we wrote ourselves on Hemingway's birthday, a few tips from copywriting the way yes. from, you know, from Hemingway. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that, that, was really that good. received a lot of good feedback. Yeah, no, so we I, were like, okay, let's try to do more of that. I really enjoyed that article. And I also liked that you gave a hat tip to the Hemingway app, which I also use, which yeah. is pretty cool. So we try to do more of that because it received very good feedback. So, but definitely let's say doubling and tripling down on the newsletter content and everything around it. Yeah, because, I mean, you have a pretty targeted list of literal, like, what, what would you say is your demographic, if, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, when you say demographic, like, we, we don't ask people, you know, like, where they're from, what age, gender, stuff like that. We basically focus only on the professional aspect of things. So we ask them, look, like, how long have you been in marketing? Um, kind of what your position is in the company, like how senior or junior you are in the company. Uh, and what sort of digital marketing do you do? What sort of uh, platforms do you want to learn about? Those sort of inform that's the sort of information that we have. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Gen yeah. Yeah. So given that information, what are some of the what are some of the highlights? Yeah, so we have a lot of affiliates because I started as an affiliate. So um a good portion of our readership are still affiliate marketers. Then uh, freelance consultants, digital agencies, and it's a, you know a slowly but steadily growing segment of uh, people who own e-commerce stores. Mm. And then they have a lot of interest in Facebook, email marketing, Google Ads, um, and SEO. Those are kind of probably like the the ones most interesting. And although it's not something that we see as an answer in surveys, we do see good interaction with all of these. Um, smaller but emerging ad platforms right so when we talk about tiktok snapchat pinterest quora reddit yeah. less used by marketers now but if there's something really actionable there people like it a lot yeah of course they don't care so much you know there's a bigger subreddit now or that sort of news we don't even feature but if it's like you know there's this person who took advantage of the fact that reddit ads are much cheaper and started let's say a uh, marketing newsletter and you know this is what they did that's going to be probably very popular, even though, you know, nobody ran, not nobody, but very few people ran Reddit ads. Yeah, I didn't even know you could run Reddit ads. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, I've heard good things, although really? okay. uh, I haven't tried them yet myself. I do want to try them, though. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, the reason why I find what, you know, Stacked Market are so fascinating um, is, you know, I, I also belong to Trends, the Hustle um, mm -hmm. the subscription one the right? subscription one right yeah and you know every week i get this 
massive email of all these great ideas I can never take action on because I'm so overwhelmed by all the great ideas. But I love I love scanning it and like, oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, but but like what I like about what you guys do is that, you know, and again, it is a little bit more targeted on the tactical, right? Like this yeah, is what you can definitely. do. And 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 I can see the, you know, the, there's a huge amount of value in that. Um, and we had talked before, like, oh, you know, having more of a strategy or over, you know, like a little more human stuff is, is good too. But the, the intent and the voice of what you guys are trying to accomplish really resonates when it comes to me trying to solve a problem or understand, like understanding, you know, Snapchat, tip, tick, 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 and Reddit, like how, a, a client or a customer or myself, how, how would I take advantage of this stuff? And I mean, maybe advantage is not the right word, but how, how would I use the platform to improve or, you know, learn a little bit? And so that's why I like the learning aspect of it. It's just really mm-hmm. fascinating because there's some things like, I don't remember the name of the article, but I was reading something. I'm like, I never knew that even existed. <laughs> um, how, how do you guys just, how do you get all these great stories? It's essentially as, um, you know, as you exactly as you would expect it, the, the, the most obvious way, uh, we actually do scan through like 100 plus websites and blogs and groups and Twitter accounts and stuff like that. Um, so we spend a lot, well, a lot of time, we spend a significant amount of time of the writing process on actually choosing what we're going to talk about. So it's, it's a little bit, it's probably more work in terms of knowing what to choose and choosing what you're going to talk about on a certain day than actually writing about it. Um, so essentially, we spend a fair bit of time on that. We, you know, we've had a lot of practice for over two years now. So like, there's probably 600 newsletters that we sent. There was a lot of practice there. Yeah, there's a lot of practice. Yeah. Uh, so it's essentially our list. We go through it. There's essentially on- the only thing that helps and, and being quicker is that we have the list categorized, but otherwise it's manual work actually going through it. And I think it's something, it sounds sometimes dumb, especially for people who are more technical and there's probably some way to improve it. But at the same time, it's something that shows in the writing, I think. At oh. least that's my impression. Oh yeah, yeah. Like no, it shows that there's a human who actually decided on that. There's no, you know, if a machine gets so good and, some of them can be probably at some point, but it for the average person, it shows that it's a human probably that chose it. Yeah, because uh, and then talks about it. Yeah, because you can um, you can tell in the voice of of how it's written. Um, the machines are hard at writer voice, like they can put sentences together because they know grammar, but the words that you use, how you use them, the typos, the misspellings, the grammatical mm-hmm. errors. Because, I mean, you know, in terms of voice for author voice, like some of it is like, well, no, that's grammatically incorrect, but that's how I write, as an example. It's it's like you write how you talk. I think that's one of the aspects of right. it. That's kind of like the starting point for us is like write how you talk. Yeah. Of yeah. course, you try to fix those errors, but sometimes it is what it is. Yeah, and and if you read any of the copywriter stuff, if you talk to um, you know the uh, Neville over at the copywriter course, if you look at the Boron letters, if you look at all the all the people that have done this for like over a hundred years, actually longer, because people have been writing copy for hundred, oh, probably hundreds of years to try to sell anything. Right? Uh, yeah. The the way the um, the voice 
the writer voice and the, the, the connection with the reader uh, is something that's going to be really hard for a machine to do. Um, it, 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 I think, I think what will happen is like machine learning and AI will help collect all that information. And then a human, the ideal case is a human would go through and like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to move this around. I'm going to tell a better story because that they're going to have a hard time doing that. Uh, cause it's going to be challenged. So it, it, it does, it does show in the newsletter that you, that some human has read it. <laughs> One of you <laughs> yeah. guys, um, because the voice is, you know, it's, it sounds like, yeah, it's like having coffee or water cooler talk or like, Hey man, I'm having this problem. Can you help me? And, and I, I love that about about what you do. I love that about the hustle. I love that about all these other newsletters that I subscribe to because I want to feel there's someone behind it. I, I want to feel a connection. I know it sounds silly, but a human connection to me is really important. I, I will, <laughs> I will be like, well, yeah, the grammar is not great, but you know, there's this great, yeah. you know, kind of uh voice to it. There's a, there's more of a, a feeling of like you're an expert. That that's what comes also comes across is like you guys know what you're doing, and that's really great. That that makes it credible. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think a machine can be as credible. I just not don't. for now, at least. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll take some time, but uh, cool. Well, I've noticed a lot of newsletters do a few things that the typical advice is to. So. It's, it's strange to me because I had this comment uh, on Indie Hackers. I'm not sure if you know the website. I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. So, so someone mentioned something like, you know, personalize your uh, the way you talk to people. So, you know, call them, call them out by name and things like that. So they think it's more personal. But in my, per- I, I'm, I might be wrong and I might be like alone in this thing. But in my perspective, it's less personal because I know that I did, like whenever someone calls my real name in the news, like in a newsletter of some sorts and in an email, the main thing I think is I never talked to this person. So it's fake. Oh, interesting. Of course, if it's, you know, if it's you emailing me and yeah. I have my name there, it's like, yeah, of course, because we, we've exchanged emails, huh. we've spoken, it's personal. Huh. Interesting. But if someone just all of a sudden after I submitted a form calls me by name, I'm like, yeah, this this was the form, but we never spoken. Like, why why would you? It, it's not. It instantly switches me from I'm reading a newsletter to this person just use my name from a form. It's like automated. It's not personal. It might be just me, and I think a lot of people, you know, huh. go with the flow with this. But for me, it's huh. like instantly, uh, I you actually don't know me. Huh. That is so fascinating. Spoke. No, no. I I, I like that you brought this up because for me personally, if someone cold emails me um, and they don't use my name, I hit delete. (laughs) Well, cold emailing, but it's like a one-on-one thing usually, or like at least built as such. But if if in a newsletter, someone tells me their story, I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, cool. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause see um, a lot of times, like a lot of my job, with JSYPR and marketing, the mm-hmm. the side hustle that became my main hustle. Um, for a long story, people have heard it already, so I'm not going to mention it again. <laughs> um, I, I do a lot of pitching, a pitching of clients, pitching of stories, pitching of ideas, um, and it's like whew, the art of that is really tough. No, no machine will ever be able to do that anytime soon, I don't think. Um, but I I get pitched a lot from my blog and the podcast and all a lot of inbound. And the thing that's like, I have all these, I have these rules, right? And it's really easy. My heuristics for me are really easy. One, 
if you're pitching me a cold email and you don't use my first name, I hit delete. Mm-hmm. Almost 99% of the time. There may be the rare occasion where I'll look through it because the content's really good. But if you don't use my first name, delete. Because like, how hard is it to find my first name? I mean, I'm literally everywhere, right? Uh, yep. And and but 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 it's so interesting with the email thing. I mean, with the newsletter that the personalization of a newsletter, a little creepy or a little like, well, I've never talked to you. How, how, why are you calling me by my first name? Oh, I never thought of that. That's actually a really good tip. I like. I, that. I think it's worth trying out in yeah. some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's one of the like we don't even collect the names for people, so we never we never even think about trying to use that. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, so just the email. Yeah, yeah, just the email. So uh, we have, it's not a lot, but you see, like after someone unsubscribes, we have a small survey, right? Like why they unsubscribed. And it's it's common to see the reason there. I'm switching emails. And a lot of the times the switching emails means I'm giving you like my real, my active email. Oh, this, this was the burner <laughs> email to check you out. And now it's the real email. Oh, oh man, that's so cool. I, You know what? I don't use burner emails. Maybe I should. <laughs> well, it's not a it's not one of those that expires. It's just like their you know second, third, fourth email that they have for oh. this purpose, like getting their you know trying things out, the trial oh, email. Wow, super! And then it's cool. like, actually, I want to read this. I'll give you my good email that I actually use. Huh. <laughs> it's kind of like a nice compliment when someone tells you that. No, I I agree. I mean, I had a friend. Well, still my friend. He would uh, he would create email aliases for each newsletter he'd signed up for. So mm-hmm. for years, it'd be like, you know, stacked at his domain. So then he knew who sold what. <laughs> uh, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. But I mean, it's anything he signed up for, which is, I just, he, I could never do it. But um, well, you can do that with the Gmail, right? You just add the plus. Thing yeah. The plus, the plus set. thing, which, yeah. which not a lot of, you know, not a lot of people do. Cause I, you know, work in, content marketing, direct marketing, email marketing. And, you know, I occasionally look through the list of people that sign up and, uh, yeah, no one's adding the plus, <laughs> not a lot of plus. Add. a few that add, but also what I've noticed when, so obviously one thing that I do is sign up to a lot of newsletters to see how they do it, what yeah. changes. I want to stay in touch with, you know, how this sort of the business model develops and what others are doing. And, um, uh, I tried in a few situations to sign up with the plus and the form automatically says that it's not a right email. So the ah. form submission thing is not updated for everyone. Ah. It works for us. But ah. I think depending on what system you use and what checker, it just says, you know, plus is not available in emails. Oh, ha. Huh. Okay. So some people are trying to be a little, uh... <laughs> we want the real one. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> I think that's the reason Don't why. Plus my... us. Yeah, I think that's the reason why my friend Mark adds i mean he owns his own domain so he just like literally adds another email alias oh that's so fascinating wow that's really cool well you know uh manu i i've had this has been a great conversation i really appreciate your time um keep up all the great work at stack marketer i'll put a link in the show notes for people to subscribe um, please use the link I put in the show notes because then I get like cool swag. <laughs> well, if, if, if 1,000 people subscribe here, when yeah. the pandemic is over, we can fly you to Vienna. Yeah, That's yeah. Price, I would. So. <laughs> that would be pretty cool if, if I could get 1,000. I don't know if I could do that, but you know what? It's good to have a goal. Um, so. <laughs> it's, it's a big goal. Nobody reached it yet, but there are a few people who are, you know, slowly grinding their way up there. Cool, cool. Well, again, thanks for your time. Stay safe. Thanks and, as well uh, for having me. It was a pleasure.
we'll be in touch. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.